Closer Look. Welcome to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest today is Lori Butterworth, CEO with AIM Youth Mental Health. And we're talking about our kids' mental health. You know, it's very tragic, the condition of our kids today, of their mental health. And why do you think that is? I know coming out of COVID seemed to have a lot to do with it. The crisis started to spike in youth mental health before COVID. It was absolutely the isolation, the despair, the fear, and all of the loss of developmental milestones that kids went through during COVID that exacerbated an already burgeoning youth mental health crisis. So why this is happening, that's another very hard question. Like there's a one shot that can fix our kids' mental health. It's a complex issue and it requires a lot of thoughtful, strategic, and multi-layered approaches. Well, and I'm sure that that approach needs to change pretty much from child to child as well, depending on what the underlying factors are, right? Right, of course, yeah. You know, human beings, we're all complex beings, right? Each one of us is an individual. But there are some trends and there are some commonalities and there are things that have been found to work for large pieces of the population for various mental health conditions. What are some of the warning signs that we can look for with our children? So many of us, parents, grandparents, we want to know. Big question is, you know, how do I know that the anxiety my child is suffering is serious, if it's normal? And how do I know, like if my child says, I'm anxious, I'm nervous, then we can see maybe, you know, lack of sleep, not eating, fear, all of these things manifesting. When do we know? When should I seek treatment and when should I take it seriously? You know, because sometimes we want to say, oh, just, you know, get over it, like suck it up, get over it. And then other times when we really want to make sure that that we're we're paying attention. So I would say to parents, err on the side of paying attention. That that feeling in your gut, that the anxiety, the nervousness, the fear that your child is experiencing is beyond the realm of what you would consider normal and kind of fixable in a short period of time. And I'll talk about fixable in a minute, what that really means. But if it's going on for a while, I really, really encourage parents to seek treatment and to seek not just treatment, like in terms of therapy, but also strategies for in your family, in their school, with their friends, but especially in the family, to really try to mitigate anxiety and learn strategies yourself first about how to address anxiety. I'm just talking about anxiety now. We'll talk about depression and other things in a minute. But seek for yourself first and look at ways that you can help your own child. And then also seek outside therapy, a specialist, someone who has a specialty in the condition that your child is suffering. Because we know from so much research and so much experience that if you send your child to therapy, and they come home to an environment that is in some way emotionally disruptive or contrary to what they're learning in therapy, they get mixed messages and it's a waste of time and it, you know, it continues the suffering. So we at AIM, we offer youth mental health first aid. Let me explain what that is and why we do it. So youth mental health first aid for parents, 
teachers. I didn't want want hairdressers to get trained in youth mental health first aid because we know all the things that hairdressers hear. (laughs) We have a neon sign on our forehead that says, tell me everything. I know, it's so true. I'm a retired hairdresser, so I know. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so you hear everything. Now, let me tell you about youth mental health first aid first. So it's a very practical, hands-on training. Think about regular first aid training that teaches you strategies of what to do, how to approach, what to say, and how to get help if needed. And so it's a seven-hour training course where you, you get certified, just like you would get certified in first aid. So what it does is it teaches a parent like strategies for listening to your child, listening non-judgmentally, training ourselves to give reassurance and information rather than unwanted advice, things like that. How to approach if your child is suffering something or, or having trouble and you don't know what to say, they close their door, you don't know whether to go in, you don't know what to do. We do case scenarios about that by practicing how to approach a teen or a preteen or even a child that's having a mental health challenge. What do you do in situations of crisis? We talk about everything from applying Narcan. I hope people know what that is and have access to it in case of an overdose. So this is a practical training for parents. I recommend parents get trained in this youth mental health first aid, and at the same time, seek therapeutic interventions for their child who's suffering. Because working together at home, having the skills and practice at home, and having specialized therapy for a child, that's the best recipe for healing that we know of right now. Youth mental health first aid also helps us learn self-care strategies, things that we as individuals can do to calm ourselves to respond better, and to take care of ourselves so that we can care for others. You know, the whole thing about, you know, airplane, if the mask comes down, you put it on for yourself first and then help others. So we can learn all of those things and and apply those things in the home, which is the majority of the place, the time and place that you spend their time. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Closer Look. I'm Kendra Ponzio, and our guest is Lori Butterworth, CEO of AIM Youth Mental Health, and we're talking about our children's mental health. It's great that you're focusing on fixing the environment as well, because like you said, a kid can get all the help they need, but if they're going back to a toxic environment, which is the root of the problem, then it's kind of a no-win situation. Yeah. Or let's say the home life isn't the root of a problem necessarily. It's a neutral space or it's just sort of a maybe it's not doing much. But if you could turn your home situation into a healing place, and it's also, it helps parents not be afraid because I know so many of us, I know for me, sort of like if I see somebody who's struggling or if one of my kids is struggling, how do I approach in a way that's not going to cause, you know, be a door slammed in the face or something like that? So maybe home is just a neutral place, but what if it really became a place where you had skills to know how to address things if and when they arise? Even if you're not having a mental health crisis with your child right now, getting trained anyway, this is good skills for all of us. In fact, I always laugh because one of the parts that we train is about listening non-judgmentally. You know, how do you really listen non-judgmentally? Listening itself, 
is tough for so many people. But how do we practice listening non-judgmentally? Since I've been teaching this course and AIM's been really, you know, at the forefront of getting people trained, my husband appreciates that I'm teaching listening non-judgmentally because it helps me listen non-judgmentally to him. My point is it's applicable in so many other parts of life, like at work and things like that, because we need to practice and practice and practice these skills so that they become habit. So that when we're dealing with our kids, we have those muscles really built up for listening non-judgmentally, how to be a person who is a reassuring person. I think all of us, even people listening, can think about someone in their life who has been reassuring like a reassuring person and what it's like to be in their presence. And what if we became those types of people for our kids? You know, and what if we became that type of person for our friends? What if we became that type of person for our kids' friends? And so that's AIM's vision for creating safe, nurturing communities where children can grow and thrive. And we do that by surrounding kids with adults who care about them and know what to do when they're suffering. And if we can imagine communities like that, imagine what the world would be like. The mental health first aid. I mean, it just seems like such a great program. The program itself, it's a program of the National Council for Mental Wellbeing. So people who get certified in youth mental health first aid are certified through the National Council in Washington, D.C. So they get their certification. But how we at AIM decided that we wanted to implement this program here is because of what the youth told us. Before we started youth mental health first aid as a program of AIM, we decided to ask the youth what we should do. I mean, how do we know what to do to address youth mental health if we don't ask teenagers what we should do? Otherwise, we're just kind of, it's a shot in the dark. So we started this program called the AIM Ideas Lab, where we train teenagers, high school students, to conduct peer-to-peer youth mental health surveys. So they come up with the questions they want to ask about youth mental health, the youth do, and then they go out and they survey their peers. They gather the data. They learn how to find meaning in data. They learn how to ask questions to get understanding about the things you're curious about. And so last year, the first round of the AIM Ideas Lab, there were some data points that they discovered that were alarming and absolutely heartbreaking. One was that the relationships with adults outside of the home during COVID isolation had dwindled and that the trust amongst students and teachers, coaches, people at school had gone down. We were scratching our heads going, well, why do you think that is? And they said, well, we don't really know them because we've been out of school for two years. And so it's just been online and it's hard to build trust. And that really scared me because we know from lots of research that the number one protective factor for youth mental health is a trusted adult. A trusted adult is what a youth needs more than anything. So that's why we set the goal to train as many adults as we can in youth mental health first aid, because not only would it build trust It also builds confidence in the adults to address it, and we could build back those relationships. And my goal is to build those relationships back even stronger. So here's the vision for it. I have a friend who's a nurse, and she told me that 
the city of Seattle, they have the most adults trained per capita, adults trained in CPR in the nation. I said to myself, okay, well, if you're in the city of Seattle and you have a heart attack, the probability of someone being there with CPR to save your life is higher than anywhere else in the country. So what if we applied that same idea to youth mental health? What if we worked really hard to raise the probability that when a child or a teenager has a mental health challenge or a mental health crisis, that there is someone there to help them and to save their life? And that's why we want to train as many adults in youth mental health first aid as we possibly can. What can we do to help? Well, first of all, I think everybody who can get trained in youth mental health first aid. And how to do that is if you go on our website, it's AIMYMH.org. It's AIM and then YMH, think about it, stands for youth mental health. AIMYMH.org. And on the website, you can find out where to sign up for a youth mental health first aid training. And so go on to our website, AIMYMH, and we welcome you with open arms in helping us address this crisis and protecting our kids' youth mental health. 